0: Our inspirational speaker this morning is our Senior Minister and Spiritual Director. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Patrick Cameron.
1: Good morning. Great. Uh, We're going to sing a song. Say a prayer. So I know some like to stand, some like to sit. So those that like to stand, you can stand. Those that like to sit, you can sit. <clears throat> in this fairy room, there's quite enough love for all the world, and in this fairy room, there's quite enough. Keep going, you guys. It's beautiful. There's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, This very room. So, I invite you to know with me once again, reminding ourselves the truth of our divine nature one life, God's life. That life is perfect, and I claim it as my own in this moment. And so, I know that all the blessings that are seeking expression by means of me, everything that is good and right, is called forth here and now the energy, the awareness, the love the synchronicity of life, so that everything lines up beautifully and wonderfully in thought, word, and action, that we live in the congruency of our divine integrity, each and every one of us. For this I give thanks, knowing that my word has power, the impeccability of the word has power, as does yours. So may we be impeccable in our thought and our word this day. I give thanks for this opportunity, for this community, for this teaching, for all the love and support that continues to pour itself forth for each and every one of us, and may that continue to be our experience, despite what is going on in the world. For this I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Please be seated. So we have some folks with us today that I'm going to invite uh, two ladies up, one at a time, to one uh, lady, the first lady I'm going to invite up is from Win House, which is a, um, a uh, non-profit for um, well, I'll let her explain, and it's one of our selectees in terms of our tithe that we put together uh, as a group, and this morning we've already conveyed the, at the first service, but I ask these ladies to please come and just celebrate this with us, and you get to put a face to the, uh, the activity, so would you, uh, Sharon? Sandra?
0: Thank you, Sandra. Thanks, Patrick. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Yes, we are a nonprofit uh, reg- and a registered charity, as you might know. Uh, Wind House has been in our community, uh, incorporated in 1973, opened its first shelter in 1978, and subsequently another shelter in 1982 83. We help about 300 to 350 women per year and about 500 to 600 children, depending on family composition and how that plays out in the course of a year. Just this past week, last Monday in fact, we opened a third shelter, Win 3, uh, to help meet the specific needs of women from the immigrant community that are fleeing from domestic violence. Uh, Folks in that community, as you probably might understand, have uh, faced many challenges. Uh, They may not uh, understand our laws and ways and the norms of our society and the fact that we have a zero-tolerance policy in our society for violence against women. Seems straightforward enough, but sometimes when people come from other places, they may not know that, so this new shelter is a collaboration between ourselves and um, Changing Together, a centre for immigrant women. So it's like a co-location of services where their multilingual staff can work with our staff to provide services, give people the right referrals. Obviously, their staff have some expertise in immigration issues and understand the cultural barriers that might exist. So your gift is very timely. Thank you very much. So I bring greetings from the board staff, volunteers, women and kids of Windhouse. We appreciate your generosity that will help interrupt the cycle of violence. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you very much.
0: Thank you for for being here today.
1: And also with us today is uh, a lady from the Youth Emergency Shelter. Eileen, would you please come forward?
2: Good morning, everyone. Uh, In 1978, a group of concerned citizens noticed that there was a huge gap in the services for young people in Alberta. A child between the ages of 16 and 18 have no available resources to help them in their times of need. So in 1982, YES opened its doors for its White Avenue facility, and 28 years later, uh, we have three facilities and five programs. Through our night at a time shelter program, Uh, Sky and Start are our two uh, residential programs. The Armoury Youth Day Centre, which was opened this past September, sees 186 youth a month, Um, and that is growing um, at the rate of 40 per month. Uh, That has become the the norm, and a lot of the youth that frequent the centre are buying into the programs, which is a great thing. Um, It isn't just kind of a hit or miss. They're actually... um, Usually by their fourth visit, they're actually taking part into, in, in the programs that are being offered, um, which is really exciting for the youth workers that, that are there on a daily basis. Um, we also have ongoing support from our out, outreach programs. Um, and so over the years, we've helped thousands of youth. Um, thousands of youth, in, in essence, help themselves through taking advantages of the services that are being offered. One of the values at YES is that we work hard, but we take time to celebrate our successes. So I just want to mention a few of the recent successes um, that we've been able to enjoy and celebrate. Two of our kids from Starthouse were honoured recently with the Great Kids Award from the Government of Alberta. One was was honoured with a John Humphreys Peace and Human Rights Award and was invited to be a youth representative for the Ministry of Education's Youth Action Project. Just recently, one was honored with the RISE award. 10 kids at Start House graduated from high school last year, which was hugely exciting because it's virtually the launch pad of their career, of their future. we partnered with arts groups like Rapid Fire Theater, the Yardbird Suite, Ice on White, the Fringe Festival, and many others to give our kids a chance to uh, explore involvement in the arts. We've recently uh, begun a partnership with Our Lady Queen of Peace Ranch, a partnership for outdoor experiences for the kids, and Start House uh, recently celebrated the renovations of the bedrooms, which was hugely exciting for all of the kids there. So on behalf of YES, I want to thank you so much for your generosity and your support. Because as a nonprofit, I'm sure you understand that um, without your support, there isn't r- really, we couldn't do what we do. So thanks once again.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Anna. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I just want to thank, I know that um, the Sandra already left, but I want to thank both the ladies for being with us. Because it's important, I think, for us to be able to, to celebrate that. And there's an energetic around it that I think is powerful and wonderful. So thank you so much for coming and speaking to us about the cause. And and we just support good wherever it shows up. All righty. So we're starting a new book this week. It's called The Fifth Agreement. Remember the the four agreements from Don Miguel Ruiz? And this is the fifth agreement. And it's actually the four agreements plus the fifth one. And it's all about story and the stories that we tell. The story of you is one of the chapters in here that I use for my the title of my talk, and it's quite interesting. he talks in here about um, when we're young we're wild and free. Remember when you were four years old or five years old, and you hadn't gone to school yet, so you didn't have all that input from all the other kids about how whatever you looked like didn't measure up whatever it was, but their opinions and and but when you're, I remember that time in my life when you're just you're just wild and free, and then we start to we start to learn language, and we start to learn symbols and we start to learn words, and then words become ideas, and pretty soon we have um, we have noise going on in our brains. We have a voice in our heads. And then all of a sudden, we get domesticated, as he says. And we get domesticated, and so we're no longer wild and free. We are um, inundated with uh, ideas from other people. And so we take on that stuff. And all of us are subjected to that. Whatever culture that we are raised in, we are subjected to that idea. So I want to talk about stories today. One is a, Well, both are personal stories. One is about... What's, what's going on here with our, our music program? Because I know there's a lot of uh, questions about that. I'm going to touch on that today a bit. And I'm also going to tell a story about uh, when I was a kid. As he says here, as little kids, we were wild and free. We run around naked without self-consciousness or self-judgment. We speak the truth because we live in truth. Our attention is in the moment. We are not afraid, afraid of the future or ashamed of the past. And I remember those days. After domestication, we try to be good enough for everybody else, but we are no longer good enough for ourselves because we can never live up to our image of perfection. And he says, as we go along, we get to our teenage years, we start our search again. We start to search for ourselves as we get come into adulthood. And we're searching for love because we've learned to believe that love is somewhere outside of us. And we are searching for justice because there's no justice in the belief system we are taught. And we are searching for truth because... We only believe in the knowledge we have stored in our mind, and of course, we're still searching for perfection because now we agree with the rest of the humans that nobody's perfect. And so, it's it's an interesting way to look at how we are all domesticated, as he would say. The Toltecs, the Toltec, is ancient wisdom. The Toltecs teach three masteries. They teach a mastery of awareness. They teach the mastery of transformation and the mastery of love. The separation is just for our understanding. Because the three masteries become only one. So you master one, you're mastering them all. But we can break it down. And these three masteries guide us out of suffering and return us to our true nature, which is happiness, freedom, and love. Back to when we're wild and free. And I like wild and free. I think that that's that's a wonderful phrase. So we're here in this community. Why are we here? Why do we show up and do what we do? Because it's kind of an interesting thing. And I know for many that uh, we all come for different reasons. What I know that I was hired for one thing, and one thing only, to be here with you. It's the only reason you brought me here. Your consciousness brought me here. And that's how consciousness works. But it is the transformation of consciousness. That's why I'm here. The transformation of consciousness. That's the only reason I'm here is to help facilitate that. And the way I can best facilitate that is to continue to engage in my own practice, in my own, my own efforts, and my own commitment. I want to share this from Carolyn Mace because I think we're, we are a mystical teaching and I think this applies so beautifully. The mystic is called to come into an intimate relationship with divinity. A calling is not a job, it's not a career or an occupation, but a pursuit that transcends ordinary life. Your soul becomes a channel for grace. Your soul becomes a channel for grace. This changes everything, and it changes nothing. You don't float away. You don't divorce your mate. You don't take off for the hills or fast, but you have a passion to be congruent. In other words, that which you set an intention for shows up in your life. They match. There's a congruency there. You have people in your life that you know you can count on them. You know, they tell you they're going to be there. They'll be there. And there's congruency. You make commitments to yourself. And then sometimes we... We break the commitment. We break the vow. We're, we're just not congruent. <clears throat> you become a channel for grace. This changes everything. You may live a perfectly ordinary life in the world, but your interior life is anything but ordinary. You continue your external life, but on the inside, you are awakened, fearless, conscious, and a resource for others. I love that wonderful stuff in this book and we have them in the bookstore now entering the castle but it's all about the soul. It's all about the relationship with soul and I love it and it's very deep. I can do about five pages and then I have to go back and read it again and it's just wonderful stuff to kind of have as a, as a companion because I, I, for me it's just why we're here. It is for the transformation of consciousness. So when I was a kid, this, today's about story—the story of story you. When I was a kid, and I was twelve, figured it out at the early service. Twelve years old, my brother was four years older, and so he could drive. We would go. Our favorite thing to do was to go to a hockey arena in South St. Paul, Minnesota, called Wakota Arena. And we would go down there, and it was a—you know—it wasn't a big place. I mean, there's rinks all over town, and they're similar to one of the smaller rinks. But it had the wooden—you know—the wood boards, the wood, and then it had the chain link fence for no plexiglass it was chain link. And every once in a while, somebody get checked into the chain link, and they would have to cut him off the chain link because, you know, it was fairly old. And... But we love going, and we love watching the games, and we love playing hockey, you know. And uh, I've, I'm down there one day, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the men's room, and I'm washing my hands and doing my thing, and the Darso brothers come in. And the Darso brothers were the hoods. They were the bad guys. They were the badasses in town, okay? And they were about two years older than me, and they were bigger, and they were just scared the heck out of me. So as soon as they came in, I finished up my business, and I got out as fast as I could. Well, this guy that was the vendor at the arena we would go to, Big Mike, was in the, one of the stalls doing his thing. And, and I, I didn't know. I'm just there. I did my business, and I'm out, and I'm, I walk out of the men's room, and I'm standing next to the boards about 20 feet away, and I'm watching the game. All of a sudden, somebody just picks me up by the back of my neck, and yanks me up and starts hauling me into the office. And I'm just... And he was a real big guy and real strong. They threw me in the office, and, and I had no clue what was going on, but I was so scared I just started crying. And he st- told his buddies that I had, when he was in there doing his business, that I had gone in and shut the light off on him. And I hadn't been there. I wasn't in... I, I knew who did it, and I tried to explain that, but he was not having any of it. And so they they... These three guys surrounded me and told me they were going to ban me for life, and on and on and on, and scared the dickens out of me and a few other things out of me. And the whole time, um, there was no way I was going to tell these guys or convince them what happened. There was just no way. And so what happened was, was, as time went by, I got a lot of mileage out of this story because I was the victim, and it was really a great story to tell because you know what? And I really, I really was in a sense the victim. But I realized from that story and thinking about it that there was no way I was going to convince him otherwise. This was what what, what had happened, and I was the culprit. And every time I'd go back, I didn't go back for a couple months because I was scared. He'd look at me, "Ah, there's that kid that shut the light off on me. You know? When are we going to get over this, Mike? You know? Uh, But anyway, so what did it do? We've all had those experiences in life. Things happen. We do things. We make up stories. We're always making up stories. Don Miguel calls it our virtual reality. It has nothing to do with truth, but it's our story. We carry our stories with us. And so my story for a long time around that, and I got, as I said, mileage out of it, was that I was the victim. They're picking on me and woe was me and all that. So it's, a, it's an example of how we can take any experience and we can make a story about it. As you've noticed, there's been some changes around here with our music program. And a lot of people wanted to know what happened. Well, it was two weeks ago. This is the third week. I was gone last week. And quite honestly, it wasn't clear enough in my own head. I was actually so sad about this whole thing. This was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done since I've been a minister. And this has gone on. This is not something. So you all know Robin. If you're here for the first time, this story means nothing to you, which is wonderful. It's a story. It's like, what's this guy talking about? Who's he? But it's a story about life but because we're all invested in this and this is really a community we love one another so let me tell you personally how I feel about Robin I adore Robin Walters Robin Walters is one of the most talented vocalists I have ever stood on the platform with phenomenal phenomenal singer in fact we had Robin, uh scheduled to come back on Mother's Day so we could all say goodbye and celebrate then we wanted to say goodbye I, th- I still think Robin can be part of this I think Robin can come and see us there is an open invitation I, w- I was shown a letter this morning that's been circulated. I love and adore Robin as a vocalist. She is a wonderful vocalist. But what has become clear to me over time, as we've gone on, and this has gone on for five years, I think she said ten and a half years in the letter. I don't know what, what that's all about. But you know what I know about story. There's Robin's story. There's my story. And there's a truth in the middle somewhere. That's just the way it works. And I will. I, I, and, and so I have uh, a perspective about it and an experience with it. But first and foremost, I love Robin. And I appreciate all she did for us and how she helped build our music program. I've also known and sensed for quite some time that that was not, in terms of the other parts of that job portfolio, was not her gift zone. But I thought, you know what? Beautiful, beautiful singer, it's okay. It's fine. A year ago, I wanted to make this change, and I was talked out of it. Sat down with Robin and said, you know, it's not working, it's just not fitting. And she talked me out of it. I said, okay, we'll go. Another year goes by. A year goes by. I go into the metaphorical living room with a remote control, watch TV for a year, she goes and crochets. We come back out and we realize, hmm, nothing's changed, has it? We're still the same people. But what I know about, so how does this how do I come to this decision? How do you is this an arbitrary decision? Because I didn't do this to upset people. I didn't do this to tip over the apple cart. That was not my intention. But I'm here for one reason. I'm here to help support people in the transformation of consciousness. That's it. We're not a dance hall. I'm not Ricky Ricardo. Now, I love the music. I think we do spiritual theater. And I'm all behind great music. I love it. I think the Windspear Experience, my vision for our community, what we did at the Windspear, and I say we, we can do that every week. We had 1,150 people there. You can't tell me if we couldn't seat eight, nine hundred people that we couldn't fill that space a couple times a week. Because I'm proud of what we do here. My passion is this teaching. And I want to put everybody, I want to take every, my role as, as leader is to identify gifts and assign ministries accordingly. And when you're not in your gift zone, you struggle. And I know that. So, what was this? An arbitrary decision? It's probably the hardest, as I said, decision I've made. The reason I couldn't talk about this is because I had to get over my own mourning. Because it's very sad. I love Robin. We're used to Robin, and I, like I say, and I hope she comes back. And I hope she sings with us. We're hoping to have her her Mother's Day and celebrate her. We put some paper out in the back. If you want to write her a note and say thank you, please do that. Support her any way you can. She's doing house concerts. She's uh, doing one with Jody. Uh, who's up here singing, and Jody will mention at the end, but she's still around, and she knows I love her. But she's, she's hurting right now, and I know that. So how do you come to this decision? We have our vision statement and our mission statement. It's what we stand for. And with that, we also have another banner coming. King of, king of banners here. But it's important to have this stuff up. It's important for, for us to remember who we are and why we're here. And We have core values. And so what I have to do for all of this is I have to look at the core values. These are the things that we have agreed as a board and as a leadership team to live to. Integrity, honesty, service, joy, empowerment, individuality, compassion, inclusiveness, generosity, and trust. So we've identified those qualities to live by. And so when I make the decision, this wasn't based on my, my personal preference, because if it was my personal preference, I never would have made this decision. But I'm asked here to come and support this community and to excel and to be excellent. I think what we have, the world needs this teaching. And I know that. I'll tell you something, gang. At the board meeting this year, I'm going to sit down with the board and say, you guys want me to continue doing this. Am I a good leader here? I think I am, but it might be I'm not. Maybe my usefulness here is done. But it's important to have that conversation with ourselves. And it's not because I'm, I'm creating myself as a victim. But if, if I'm not serving the purpose for which it was intended to bring me here initially, then it's time for me to go. You see, eagles soar and chickens scratch. When I look for a board member, I look for somebody that's a leader, they, they got other things to do. Oh, you don't need me here? If that, Great, you got it handled. I got other things to do. And I know that, and it's obvious. And so for all of us, my big Mike picking me up by the back of my collar yanking me into the room. And he was pretty rough. I think he hit me actually a couple of times in the back of the head. It scared the heck out of me. That was my victim story for a long time. And I got a lot of mileage out of it. And it really was great because I kept embellishing it and making it bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, pretty soon I would murdered somebody and they were looking for me. And, you know, I mean, I was 12 years old. But the point being is, for all of us, why are we here? Why are we doing this? If we're not making a difference in people's lives, there are people sitting here today, I know you and I know some of your your situations, that have really serious challenges, what we would call a big problem. And what I know is the, the, the most loving and supportive thing I can do is see each person capable and hold a high watch for someone. You see, we can do whatever we need to do and we can still be in love. But the story many of us have is that if we do this, if we decide, okay, you know what? This isn't working anymore. We need to shift and change this. We need to open this up in a new way. Right away we think, okay, somebody's being punished. This is not about punishment. This is about celebrating gifts and identifying skills and showing up so that we can all support one another in the highest and best. I mean, that's what We teach. For me as a trained practitioner, to see any one of you as victim and helpless and hopeless, I can't work with you. You don't want my consciousness supporting you. This is an opportunity for us to step up and support one another, support this music program as we we grow it in a new way. My vision for it is quite a bit different than what we have currently. And I've been in great conversation with with Brown and with Sue and other key members of it. And we're going to grow it. We're going to grow it. It's time for that. And when I, I came home from Denver, I saw a model of what's possible, and I said, this is what we need to be doing. And we need someone that is a production manager that can manage the whole production. Now, I've stepped into that role temporarily, but I'm, I'm treating for the right genius to show up. I want a Broadway producer. I want to be using this screen. I want to be up... I want to have, I want to have stuff you can't even imagine what we're going to have up here. And it's going to be... There's a phenomenal group of artists in this, in this uh, province and in Canada, in North America, and we should be bringing them to town. I think we could have a spiritual uh, musical festival that we could, we could hold it once a year. Yeah, I mean, we can do these things. We can do these things, and, and more. And you know what? I'd love to have Robin be part of all of that. I'd love to have Robin come back and sing. She's welcome with open arms. This, I didn't say, Robin, just go away and never come back. I said, Robin, I love you. I want the best for you. My biggest concern right now is you getting through this. And, and, and you know what? And I, I can do that with great love. So I wanted to share that with you. That's, that, for me, has been this experience. But it's been really hard because I knew how difficult this would be for folks. Because we love Robin. I love her with you. I couldn't talk about this for two weeks. Good thing I had last week off. I had to get over the sadness. But it, had, this, it was time. It was time. And I hope that m- when my time comes and my usefulness is done, that somebody has enough love come up to me and say, you know what? It's time for a change. You know, we got so-and-so coming here. Jesus H. Christ himself is showing up, and <laughs> he, he wants to take the platform. And I'll join the circus. I'll do whatever. You know, I, I got a lot of skills, as uh, Napoleon Hill would say. I got serious skills. <laughs> but I think that is the only sane way for us to, to move forward and to celebrate it and make it safe. So what you can do, sign a note to Robin. Send her a card if you want to pick a card out. Love her up. She's doing the house concerts. Invite her into your home. And and remind her when you see her, you know what? That guy said you can come back anytime and sing. Have her on her schedule. She's phenomenally talented. But the vision has got to match. And when I realized that that my core values were not in alignment with that situation, I realized, you know what? That's not why they hired me. 5% 5% of what I do is really hard stuff. And that's one of them. And so I, I, I thank you for your support. I thank you for listening. I thank you for your deep caring. I don't know it's affected a lot of people. I got emails that, that didn't like it, and I actually got about as many that like it. So it was interesting. And it wasn't about liking or not liking it. It's change. Change is inevitable. You know, I'm not going to be here one day. I'm hoping to live forever. I'm hoping to do this for another 100, 150 years. But my time, my time is finite as well. And change is good for all of us. Shake it up. Bring in a bigger idea. And I I can go on and on about this, but this is all done with great love, great care, great compassion, great respect. And so I thank you. So it is.